Hello, everyone. Welcome to this uh, bonus episode of Svelte Radio. We're going to have a listen to the Q&A session that took place yesterday at the Svelte Summit. Enjoy. Welcome to the summit. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations. It's been a, been a terrific day. Yeah. Thanks. It's been a lot of a lot of fun. Good so, it, yeah, that, that talk was great. Thank you. <clears throat> Sorry. Mm. All right. So does anyone have any questions for Rich? I have one. This is in, in Discord, everybody. Uh, we might I should, I should want to YouTube. Open in a separate window. That was I can, good. I can help keep track too. Cool. Let's check. I don't know if you caught the puppets, Rich. I, I did. Yeah. I, I missed a, a bit of the middle of the conference and I'm going to have to catch up later, but I, <laughs> I saw that. It made me <laughs> chuckle. Listen, you struck a chord. Yeah. <laughs> I've been posting puppets all day in the, in the Discord. It's great. Mm -hmm. it should be a, there should be a custom uh, emoji for a puppet. For the snake oh, puppet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, nice. <laughs> All right. Let's see here. So, when, Rich, when do you think uh, Spelt Kit One is going to be released? Oh, going, going straight for the. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Time. I mean, if, if you'd asked me a month ago, I would have said April 25th for sure. Like, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> um, but it, it turns out it's, it's just like really hard. There's a lot of work that is involved in. In, in building a thing like this and you know work being work and life being life um stuff sort of gets in the way um but like the, the fact that there is so much to do I, I think is kind of the reason that something like Svelte is so valuable right because all the things that we're putting into the framework is stuff that you would have otherwise had to figure out in, in your apps and like the the hope the the idea is that as you're using it, you're like, you're not even really aware of all the stuff that it's doing for you. It's like, um, you know, they say that the best visual effects in movies are the ones that you're not even aware you're seeing, like, because they don't take you out of the story. You're not like thinking, oh, like that was maybe the computer. It's just like seamless. Um, the idea is that the, when you're using Svelte, it, it'll be so seamless. Like all of the design decisions that have been taken, hopefully are going to be the sort of obvious in retrospect it couldn't have been any other way thing well actually they're the result of like fierce discussion and experimentation um, among the core team and and people who are currently trying the beta version um to to get us to that point um and all i can say is bear with us please <laughs> and if you have strong opinions go and share them on uh github issues right Absolutely, um, yeah. and there's there's been a ton of really great feedback on on GitHub already. Like I, I remember when we first opened up the repo because we were developing it behind closed doors for a little while. Because when something is very kind of still up in the air and you're not sure what shape it's going to take, it's much easier if you can do that without prying eyes. And we we did that for a while. But the thing about private repos on on GitHub is unless you're paying for them. 
you only get a certain number of minutes each month to run your actions. And we like making heavy use of, of CI to do our tests and everything. And we keep running out of our minutes on like the fourth day. So eventually, like having turned off the Windows test runners and the Mac OS test runners, eventually we're like, this, this, this doesn't work anymore. We're just going to have to open the repo. Thinking that we could sort of do it on the sly and, and we'd have a little bit longer before people started to notice. Within 25 minutes, there was a post on the Stolt Reddit, on, on the subreddit, yeah. saying, They're fast. Come on in, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and, I and saw it was the that whole. Was I saw the whole a, secret, it, um, you know, and the, the secret, uh, what, what do they call it? The, the docs, the unofficial docs appeared. Yeah. Oh, yeah. McGregor. Yeah. Which are absolutely terrific. I mean, Greg has got a real flair for, for writing documentation. Definitely. Um, and like, he's now on the core team. So he's now one of us. He is one, one of us. One of us. <laughs> yeah. I saw a, uh, so there was a funny comment left somewhere on some issue or some PR about letting in the barbarians. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so we have some, we have some questions here. Um, I'm seeing, I'm seeing quite a, quite a bit of conversation about why hooks. <laughs> Look, just, just because React decided to take that word and use it for some, in some strange way, doesn't mean that like, we, we shouldn't like the rest of the programming community shouldn't be able to use it the way that it was intended. Like a, like a hook, this is what a hook is. It's a way of hooking into um, a life cycle or a program. Um, I, like it, the, the execution flow and like get context and get session and handle like these are hooks. They're not react hooks, but I feel like the, that we should refer to hooks in react as react hooks. Like maybe with a little TM symbol afterwards, because you know, they're, they're the ones who chose to to take the word and and and, and ruin it. Yeah. All right. So one question here that popped up is uh, prompted by the by the Snape puppet. What what the Hogwarts house would would you be? What do you think? <laughs> oh, okay. um, I mean. Someone's gonna have to tell me because I, I I'm not I'm not a Harry Potter person, which is the you good can one. Actually, you can actually take an which is the best house, which, which will tell you which one you're in, and it's written yeah. by JK herself. Well, it's the, the the one on the Pottermore site is by JK herself, and I know because I wrote it. So basically, what it is is it's, she wrote a spreadsheet of all the answers and stuff. When you fill that in, it goes through all the columns and goes that one. So that's yeah. the official. Answer. What doing. <laughs> did, did you actually work on that? I actually wrote it. Yeah, I actually oh, that's wrote hilarious. It. <laughs> but what you're telling me, Anthony, is you created the sorting hat. Not quite. Not quite. No. The whole the whole back stuff is all is all JK. Sure. Sure. All right. So can we can we expect more uh, more adapters? People are asking about AWS Amplify. I saw definitely. That. Um, yeah, so we we started with the with adapters that um, like we already know people uh, use platforms like Vercel and Netlify um, a, a lot, and they were just like easy targets to begin with. Um, Cloudflare Workers is one that we're particularly excited about. Um, begin slash Arc is one that we've made a start on, but um, there's a little bit more more to do there. Uh, but all of these things are sort of lambda ish. 
or Lambda adjacent. And so Lambda is certainly going to be um, well supported. Uh, we're very excited about Cloudflare workers, um, not least because uh, a core team member is now a developer advocate at Cloudflare, Luke. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah so, <laughs> it's, it's always nice if, if, you, if you know that if you need to kick up a fuss about something, why isn't this working? Then we've got a direct. Yeah. Um, I was actually, I almost like messaged him today to complain about some login issue on cloud, yeah. but then I decided may, maybe I shouldn't. Yeah. The poor, poor bloke doesn't know what he's, <laughs> what he's got in store. We're going to abuse that connection. Yeah. Um, he, he, was basic, he was basically a developer advocate for Cloudflare though, before this. Yeah, super Cloudflare. And that's, I mean, I love Cloudflare too, but I can't find my way around it at all. Like it all goes way over my head. But because Luke is um, A, very enthusiastic about Cloudflare, B, legitimately a genius, and C, the most generous and kind person any of us know, um, like he's he sort of brought us all into the Cloudflare fold as well. Um, and a nice thing about, uh, having good Cloudflare support is we should be able to support Dino or Deno or however the hell you say it really straightforwardly as well because um, I don't know if you've seen uh, the Deno deploy service that's um, it's in beta at the moment, deno.com deploy. Um, looks really, really interesting, really exciting. They're basically using the Cloudflare adapter API. Um, but it's their own implementation. They're not like... They're not just wrapping Cloudflare, they've actually built their own Cloudflare equivalent thing that is powered by Deno. Um, and we should be able to support that really easily, which I'm excited for. That's pretty um, cool. So yeah, we, we're definitely gonna have more adapters, but I, the idea is that the, the adapter API will allow you to very easily build adapters for any platform in the future as well. Um, so we're not gonna try and have like a comprehensive set and you have to come to the official Svelte adapter for platform X. Like you can just go away and write your own um, adapter. That's the plan. Yeah. So it's, I think it's more like, the, uh, go ahead. I was going to say one of the reasons that um, the Begin and, and Vercel adapters actually existed is because I believed that it was easy to use that API that Richard built. And it was because I managed to write his adapters quite quickly. So Although it's, it's changed out. a lot since then. So it, it has, but it's got simpler, if anything, right? It's become a lot simpler. There's no manifest or anything anymore. So it's actually really testament to that a good, a good adapters API. So Yeah. We've got a little bit more work to do on, on the adapter API because there's things that we want to maybe implement, like maybe you want to have um, functions that only handle particular routes so that you've got isolation between those different things. And like stuff like that is going to involve um, API changes. So that's that's one of the reasons that we're not at 1.0 yet is because we need to nail that stuff down. Yeah, I was, I was going to say like documentation for writing adapters, probably mm -hmm. a good thing to have. Yeah, yeah. probably a good one to do. And uh, so I noticed during your talk, you uh, hinted a bit at maybe doing that use enhance thing mm. as a built-in built feature in Svelkit. Yeah, we, we've, we've got to figure out what um, what that integration looks like. It, it definitely should be part of Svelkit, I, I think, in some form. Um, but at the same time, like you could take that action and you could use it in any Svelte application oh, anywhere. Right. Yeah. Um, the, the the tricky part is that. If if you're if you're submitting a form without JavaScript, then um, you're going to get a, a response that is probably not going to be that useful to you. Um, if you're doing the same submission with a fetch, right? Because in the example of, of that to do app, when you when you post to to do's.json, 
you don't want to just load the list of to-dos. Like you want to go back to the to-dos page and see the see the UI that's built on top of that data. So what happens is um, the the endpoint that to-dos.json endpoint it will actually redirect you back to to-dos. Um, but you don't want to do that if you're if you're posting the data via a fetch. You actually want to get the data back. You want to get the new to-do that's just been created in the traditional REST fashion. And if you're going to do that then you need to be able to differentiate between um, fetches and non-fetch submissions. Right. And so the, the the adapter and the endpoint, they need to be kind of coordinating to some degree. And so like we've got to figure out what that what that um, what level of integration feels right and is going to make this sort of thing turnkey. Because I think it really is important that um, it's not any extra effort to build forms that work without JavaScript. That it's yeah. it's really easy to, to build the Node.js version first and then build the enhancement on on top. Because right now, what tends to happen, and you see this, like when you look at, you know, I, I read a thing um, the, the other day in like I don't want to call them out, but like the, the Next JS docs, they have like this thing about using forms in Next, and they describe this best practice, which means breaking the form. Like they've broken the form. It no longer works without JavaScript. And um, I, I saw another blog post just yesterday uh, that it was about like adding types to your React form handlers or something. And again, it just, it broke the form because this is what like culturally we've become accustomed to is that if you're building something with a JavaScript framework, then you just stop caring about users without JavaScript, which like is it's really a marker of privilege. And as a as a community of web developers, I, I think we should do better because this is one of the things that the people that I was talking about who who decry modern web development attackers for, and rightly so, is that a lot of this stuff works without JavaScript frameworks, and you have to actively add stuff to break it, and and that's kind of what we're doing at the moment, and and it's, and it's not great. We can do better. It is a bit weird. I think also somebody posted that link that you mentioned in a, in a bug report somewhere um where you know do your users have javascript and i think that's really really worth reading for everyone if it's not been posted again just because we can't guarantee that anyone has javascript yeah yeah and it's it's not it's not people disabling javascript it's people on you know weird wi-fi networks where they like they manipulate the traffic or um you know people on the subway and they got the the like they got the html but they went into the tunnel before they could get the jobs. Yeah. And like stuff like that happens yeah. all the time. And like everyone is a Node.js user some of the time. Yeah. Everyone I, is a Node.js user until JS loads as well. So yeah. I like an example of like us like, you know, Australia or places like with with um that context, right? Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, there are there are people in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the global like, community, right? Like, is some some stuff is 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 different is ha handled differently in different areas, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. I I've, I've started recently using the Tor browser a bit, and that's that's one of those use cases where you don't want to use JavaScript, right? Yeah, you have it turned off, don't you? Well, yeah, I, I guess you can turn it on, but but, but then there's no kind of danger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and people will start finding out about all the shady stuff that Kev's doing. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a bad thing that people actually assume, right? Just because yeah. you're using a privacy tool, you should, you should be commended for doing that. And everyone should do that by yeah. default.
I think. They should. They should. So maybe it's this. quite a few of the, the questions coming through Discord, Rich. Um, what would it take to get people on Svelte full time? I mean, is there a way people can start donate or, you know, how much does it take? And basically people are curious about how you're managing to do so much as well as have a full time job. And I think there's a lot of excitement to get Svelte moving faster and faster and faster. Uh, I mean, the, 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 the pandemic's been great because like none of us have a social life anymore. And that is, that is very beneficial for open source. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm really humbled by the fact that, that people, um, are, are that invested in the framework that, um, that people are, are talking about, like the, you know, what it would take financially. Um, for, for me, it's not, it's not really about money. Like I, I really like my, my job, my day job is, is fun. Um, and I wouldn't want to like not have that. I also think it's really important that the people who work on a framework have jobs that are not just about that, that framework. Like the, the fact that, you know, Anthony is, uh, like building stuff at a startup means that we get to see what the requirements of building stuff at a startup are. Um, you know, the, the stuff that I do at the New York times, we have very esoteric requirements and that kind of makes its way back to the framework and all, like all of that diversity of experience is very beneficial when it comes to um you know figuring out what stuff to prioritize and like all of that so i don't think it would necessarily be in the framework's best interests for um for for that not to be the case having said that like i i totally take the point about development velocity um we we so we have an open collective and people do support us um through that and so far we haven't really found um a, a ton of ways to to spend that money but uh we are like actively thinking about like how we can use that to triage our issue list and maybe put bounties on on some stuff and you know i i guess all i can say is that you know we're thinking about this stuff too and like we want we want the development velocity to be as fast as possible um, but we also don't want Svelte to become like some, I don't know, some, some VC funded, like faux, faux, did, did I just coin that faux SS? <laughs> yeah, I think you did. Oh, I like that. Um, yeah, that, that, that catch on. Like, it, it feels like, like there's more and more of that these days. Like uh, there's a lot of, um, people working on, on open source software and then like you discover that there's a business model behind it. And I'm always a little bit skeptical about yeah. like whether or not that is ultimately in the best interests of the software itself. Um, and I, I, I don't want, I don't want Svelte to become a thing that is run in the interests of the people building it. I, I want it to be a thing that is run in the interest of, of the community at large. That's nice. Cool. All right. So some questions here. Um, what's your opinion on stuff like Svelte node GUI and Svelte native? Is that fun to see i it, it, it's fascinating to see um it, i mean it, it's, it's so much ingenuity in getting something to work that way because like we, we didn't design svelte with those use cases in mind and yet you know it, here we are like it apparently it, it, it works i haven't used node gui yet i've dabbled with with svelte native and and it's, it's terrific um but i haven't used no gui i'm excited to give it a, a shout um, not just because of the, the Severus Snape sock puppet, <laughs> just because it, like, it looks really fun. Um, and 
you know, maybe there are ways that Svelte can make it easier to build those sorts of integrations. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm all for it. Okay. Nice. Right. Do we have any any other questions, or should we? Uh... So I think I think one that's that's come up a few times actually is um, what are the thoughts on incremental static regeneration? Yeah, um, I'm still not 100 percent sure what the value proposition of incremental static regeneration is. Um, like, what's wrong with cache headers? Can can someone just explain like I'm five why you wouldn't just serve content dynamically but with a cache header? And as long as a cache header includes the word public, then you know it'll be cached at the CDN layer. And like, isn't that kind of the same thing? Anybody in the in the chat want to clarify what the what the intention with an uh, incremental static regeneration is? Kind of feels like uh, this might be one of those like it sounds cool someone is doing it and it's the new shiny thing maybe but yeah like I, reality, I, know that, have any... I know that next has this thing but i couldn't work out if it's of the cell specific feature or if it's something that works anywhere i yeah. i don't know i'm i'm waffling because i don't truly understand what it what it is there is an issue open for it on the svelte kit tracker though um and there's a bit of a conversation happening there. So if, if, if people like are invested in, in this feature, then I would uh, I would go and search incremental static regeneration on the kit tracker and find that issue. I mean, none of us can even actually say it straight because you get yeah. your tongue gets stuck halfway <laughs> yeah. through. So I mean, you know, yeah. but yeah, exactly. So on, on the GitHub, let's let's take the discussion there for this um, and figure out what it is that people want and how we can get there. Here's one that got a lot of upvotes. Um, how do you handle a full-time job in building a framework, or how do you feel about it? Well, I've been very fortunate over the, the last few months in that my, my, my day job and my hobby have overlapped a lot. Um, so for, for those who don't know, I work at the New York Times in the graphics department, and um, I spent most of the last year working on our coronavirus tracking project. And towards the end of last year, we um, we reached a point where our existing project just wasn't handling the workload, and we were, we wanted to add county level pages for every county in the U.S., which is three thousand plus counties, um, so that we could give people information about the risk levels in in their local area. And like our the the way that it had been built up until that point, just, it just wasn't going to work at all. And um, given that we, we were using Svelte in the tracker a lot already, uh, it made sense to me that we would use a, a Svelte-based static site generator. Um, but it had to have like the flexibility to operate with our CMS and everything. And, and I figured like the easiest way to get flexibility is to like be able to be writing the thing as we're using it. And so for the last few months, we've been building the tracker using SvelteKit. And the things that, uh, that we've learned from using it have gone direct, directly back into the framework. And so I've actually been able to spend time, um, some of my time working on SvelteKit in order to get the, the thing that I do at work um, to function. And so that's been a nice little, uh, a nice little uh, journey. A dog fooding so, experience. Yeah, like extreme dog fooding. <laughs> that sounds nice. Sounds like a lot of fun. Mm. Just yeah, you, you also like you really learn where the pain points are when like your coworkers are in Slack <laughs> saying, 
What does this error mean? Come on. <laughs> yeah, sp speaking of, uh, of uh, errors, this is going to be a weird segue into accessibility, <laughs> but it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. some kind of warning. Maybe are we going to, is that, is that something that you might work more on with SvelteKit in some way? I don't know if that's even possible. Maybe that's more of a Svelte question in general. So it's, it's certainly possible. Like the, once you have, um, like a more predictable project structure, and like you have a better sense of like what it would take to, you know, you can reliably like build and serve the application and then navigate the application because you already have like this, this common foundation. Um, like we have the CLI and we have a predictable project structure. So in theory, you could do things like open a browser and start like programmatically navigating around and discovering areas of like, like the text and the background have too low contrast or, or something like that. Um, these are things that you can't really do just by statically analyzing a component in isolation, which is how all of our accessibility checks work at the moment. Um, it's not something that we're actively like working on at the moment, but I think like, this is one of the, the things that kind of fall out of having this common foundation is that you can start to solve problems at a more holistic level like that. At least that's certainly my hope. Yeah. Sounds good. Hey, just quick tangent. Somebody put uh, somebody user Discord user Lee Rob posted a pretty good link to the ISR stuff. Uh, smashing. Oh, yeah. I mean, so, so that's that's Lee from the cell. I, I recognize the handle. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Lee, just FYI, <laughs> you can look at that. Cool. Detail. Cool. So I've got a lot of projects in Sapper that are running with a lot of users, and I need to figure out how to migrate it safely over to SvelteKit. So what, what's the story there? Because I've heard some good things about the story. I haven't read too much into it. So it will be a manual process. Um, there's no sort of magical wizard that is going to automatically convert it. I thought but you were rich. Come on. <laughs> uh, well, so if you go to the, the website, kit.svelte.dev slash mig migrating or slash migration, one or the other, um, there's, there's a list of, of like the steps that you need to go through. And it's not an overwhelming list. Um, the, the file system based routing is very largely the same. Um, your, your webpack config, you can just delete that, get rid of it. Um, you need to install some dependencies, remove some others and rename a couple of files. But I, I think other than that, it, it, there's not going to be too much to do. All of your preloads become loads that that's changed. And if you have like a custom server, then you'll need to put that logic in your, your hooks.js file or like middleware.js if we succumb to the demands <laughs> of the crowd to rename it. So that sounds quite exciting because the changes are more and more, even though it's kind of a new code base, it's more and more kind of similar, smaller, smaller migration changes. Do you think that, do you feel like you're zeroing in on uh, the perfect way to build a web project? Or do you think it's kind of like a local, local minima? I mean, everything, Everything is a local maximum um, until and, and, and so it isn't, I guess. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's our best attempt to, to answer that question right now. Like, obviously, people are going to discover new techniques and new ideas. And, you know, in, in time, maybe we'll incorporate those and it will involve some design changes. Uh, I, I mean, I, I can't imagine that in 2025, we're, we're still going to be doing things exactly the same way that we are 
now. But yes, it, it does feel like we're sort of converging on on a pretty good point. We've kept all of the things about Saka that people like, I hope, um, but we've jettisoned the the limitations. Um, I'm feeling pretty good about about how the design's shaping up. Just the developer experience alone is just mind-bogglingly good. So feels just so right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been it's been really nice to be able to start from the um, from the position of having unbundled dev server tools like Snowpack and V. Yeah. Um, like even though it's very new and like we are taking a little bit of a leap of faith with these things, right. it feels like we're setting ourselves up for the future. Um, whereas it, like if we're starting a new thing and and then like even if we were building it on top of VS Build, which is fantastic and SvelteKit does use ES build under the hood. Like ultimately you're 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 buying into something that is is going to um it's gonna add more overhead as your app gets larger and larger and larger. But with these new tools, like there's no overhead. Like your your app can get as big as you like and your server is still going to start up instantly. And I'm I'm really I'm really excited about that. Like it feels like with um collectively just had this moment of clarity and and we're, and we're moving on from from the last five years and, and it feels great mm-hmm. to be able to just like discard all that baggage yeah what happens is you have like all these sort of slime mold kind of apps that like have grown into dimensional proportions that are huge and like anyone who works on those level of apps knows the pain points that you have with like large builds or anything that's really huge this solves all that yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's it's really great. It's slick. Yeah. All right, so uh, it's getting uh, it's getting late. We've been here for six hours and almost twenty minutes. That's uh, <laughs> almost almost as long as last time, and we swore we wouldn't have it as as long of an event as last time. I guess we. Congratulations for people who 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 tarry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we can have a discussion later about how how you got through it. How did you survive this long? <laughs> did you have like gel pouches and and uh, protein bars and things? Yeah. Was it just right, beer? So... Pro- probably. <laughs> so there are still some more more questions. So perhaps we can do that in the the club uh, clubhouse kind of space. This house. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. The people can ask these questions later. Um, yeah, so there's there's a there's a Discord channel called Svelte Summit, which has got a funny different icon, and it's uh, Discord's version of Clubhouse. So we're going to give it a go and see what happens. What is it actually called? Is it like I think stages? it's called Discord Stages. I, I, think, I think it is. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm going to stick cool with the Discord Clubhouse. That works for yeah. <laughs> I'm sure right, Clubhouse so I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, remove you guys from the from the window here and and. Just uh, end the uh, end the event. Thanks for coming on, Rich. Yeah, Thank you. for joining us. Bye, guys. Ooh, all right. So we're done. We're uh, we're uh, finally done. No, I want more. I want more. If you if you want more, you should uh, definitely head to the Discord and hop on the uh, the Discord stage channel. You can probably find it in there pretty easily. And so before we go, 
I'd like to, again, thank our sponsors, um, Fileline. Fileline's tool for handling client workflow and document management. It's the work operating system for professionals. So check them out. And uh, they're also hiring Svelte developers. Ooh. So I'm going to drop a link in the chat about that. And uh, next up, we have Gitpod. And uh, they remove all the friction from the developer experience. So you'll always be ready to code. And uh, they make the software development more collaborative, joyful, and secure. They recently migrated their website from Sapper to Svelkit as well. And that's open source. And uh, in addition to that, uh, Mike will be joining us on the Svelte Radio uh, podcast in a couple of weeks to talk about the migration. So that might be something to look out for. And lastly, we have BuddyBase, um, which is a low-code tool that helps you build uh, internal tools on your own infrastructure in minutes. And they're also hiring. I guess we are hiring because I work there. So yeah. Um, and uh, the BuddyBase itself is open source. So I'm going to post a link to that as well. And uh, Lastly, I want to thank all the speakers for making their talks. Um, I'm sure it was a lot of work, and uh, we hope to see you submit stuff for next time. And of course, all the organizers that have really helped me a lot. Um, last, last time, I did a lot of the stuff myself, but this time around, I, uh, I, I've had so much help, and it's, uh, it's been great. So yeah, with that said, um, goodbye and take care.